Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. There are just a few people in my life that it is... No, how do I start this sentence better? I was about to say that there are just a few people in my life that it's good to know. There are lots of people in my life that it's really good to know. There are just a few people in my life that make just such a radical difference to me to know. And I'd love to introduce you tonight to a friend of mine who's become a friend of Central's. I think we might be seeing more of him around these parts. Um, His name is Joseph D'Souza, and he leads a ministry um, in India, which is truly transforming the nation in the power of God. And... uh, do you know, um, we, 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 we're just excited to be able to partner with OM in India for the last eight, nine years. And it's been very exciting. It's a tiny little bit that we get to be involved in. But what they have been able to do with just some of the little bits that people partner with them has been monumental in transforming the, the, the face of that nation. And we're going to get a chance to listen to some of those stories in just a moment. Do you know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in Hebrews chapter 11, which, if you remember, is, the, is the, um, uh, the litany, the stories of faith, of the great heroes of faith. And, you know, I have this feeling that when, when our stories are written, Joseph D'Souza might be amongst those people in the list. I'm hoping maybe I might be one day as well, but, you know, maybe you will be as well. But I, I know that he will be, not because he's a great man, but because he has great trust in an incredible God. And, and vision for what God wants to do. So what we're going to do, just to give you a warning, is we're going to invite him up and we're going to applaud him just like he is, okay? Because of the things that he's been able to do. And you know what that'll do? It'll encourage him to preach really well. Um, and so we're going to invite him up. We're going to applaud him and say, thank you, God. And I mean, we're going to properly stand up. Let's bless him. Come on. You can, yeah. Come on. You can do better than that. Come on. Joseph, we honor you and we want to pray for you and you better preach well now. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's reach out a hand and let's pray for him. Father, we love you and we trust you mm. and we thank you for this man. We thank you for his faith in your incredible power. Hallelujah. We thank you for his willingness to stand the whole of his weight on the belief in his heart that this God changes everything. Amen. And we ask, Father, that you bless him now as he communicates your word to us and you bless our relationship together. We ask this in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. 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 Can we have that India map that we put up in the morning? Uh, on the back. That's great. You know, I'm very, very delighted to be back at Central, but I also want to apologize for not being here, not visiting you for quite a bit of time. And uh, as Carl and I and our sister were talking together, realized this kind of uh, delayed visit coming here once in a couple of years is not going to work as we uh, go into the future. 
and he's right. Uh, you will see quite a bit of me and we'll see quite a bit of you in India. How about that? Yeah? We have just talked today and come back again and explain uh, what all that is about uh, and why I'm saying we'll see a lot of you in India. But uh, it's very, very uh, good to be back. Uh, thank you for the years of uh, walking together with us. Uh, just Christmas and the partnership and this morning, you are not here. I got a big, big check, you know, they're given cricket matches and football matches. We can't take it to the bank. But uh, thank you for uh, partnering with us. Uh, you have walked an incredible journey with us. I'll come back to the map of India a little bit later. But I do want to think with you uh, about Jesus, right? Today is a very important Sunday in the Christian cal calendar. Now I realize, though Britain was, was Christian, I, Britain is now post-Christian, and Scotland is post-Christian, and some of you may not even know what the Christian calendar is, but uh, for, for hundreds and thousands of years, the church functioned around the calendar, and this Sunday is known as Palm Sunday uh, in the church. And I'm going to read this section to you. Uh, the churches we have in India have just celebrated and uh, I just heard they had a tremendous Sunday worship service in Hyderabad. I'm reading from Mark's gospel and his uh, version of the story. As they approached Jerusalem and came uh, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus has told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So here is the king making his march into the capital city of the Jewish faith, Jerusalem. Jesus' kingship 
and his kingdom and his reign has always been counterintuitive. That's a good modern word. Your instinct tells you something, but then you do exactly opposite to your instinct. And look at this king of kings. And by the way, the word Lord, which is used in the Gospels in the New Testament, has always the connotation of Jesus being king in, in the original. Not as we have turned it, maybe in the last 200 years, into a purely theological divine Lord. It, has, it always had the connotation of him being king in the present age as well as king in the age to come. Are you with me? King now and king forever. But look at how it begins with this king. The counterintuitive events. When he's born, he's born in a place where a king would have never been born. He's born in a manger. In a place where there are animals as his companions. He has no home. I just come from Germany. I had to do a number of things. But one of the first things I wanted to do is to understand the refugee crisis. So I told my colleague, I come, land, number one agenda, all of the work weekend, but I'd like to see one of the refugee camps. And I spent three, two hours being exposed to a most extraordinary, overwhelming situation and an overwhelming engagement by a couple who lead the Berlin City Mission. And I was taken into this huge, big balloon, which is pumped up and kept up by air. And I felt the warm air coming in, and I walked in. It's like a playground with cardboard rooms, six by nine, for families and women and men, children, you know, toilets, not anywhere near to any German standard. In fact, I told my friend, I left India, and when I came here, I was back in India. Jesus was born in refugee conditions. The one who was going to be king of kings, the king of kings. So that's pretty contrary to you. Won't you say? Kings are born in palaces. 
And God, in his wisdom, uh, decided that he's going to do everything upside down. Number two, starts his life in a manger, does all of the miracles and everything else and creates enough controversy and announces that the kingdom has come and he has come. And soon after Palm Sunday, he would stand before Pilate and Pilate would ask him, are you the king of the Jews? And he would say, you have said it, yes. But the entry that he makes into Jerusalem uh, is an entry that normal kings never do. Uh, in that day and in, in my day, just before British independence when we had all these kings, when a king entered into the city, there's carpets, flower petals, and the people cheering on both sides. And the king, and I live in Hyderabad, which had a Muslim prince, and his palace is still there. There's pomp and human glory and everything else. But the king of kings is entering what will be his capital city even when he comes back again. And he's entering that city and just as was prophesied, decides to enter it riding a donkey, a colt. An ignoble animal, not even a horse. Contraindicative. Uh, identifying even in his entry into Jerusalem with humility and lowering himself to the dignity of a slave. But the disciples, and here is where the connect with us is very important, the disciples are actually you know, and, and that definitely was from the Spirit. Because as we read the Gospels, you know, I mean, how did they ever get the insight to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, to the King. Glory to God and the highest peace in heaven. When he was born, it was peace on earth. They're shouting here, peace in heaven. Heaven is rejoicing as the, as the king now makes his final entry into Jerusalem. And they remove their cloaks and, and they put it down. Some cut trees and lay down. And they have seen, they understood, this is the king. He is the king of kings. Today, for us in Scotland, post-Christian Europe, where Christianity once was strong and then went, is, has faded out, might be difficult to understand, is he really still king? And I want to tell you, he is. He is. It's, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And... So this event happens and then the final event, uh, counterintuitive, the king is crucified as a criminal. But it's job done, 
and the resurrection happened. So you're going to remember all of that this week. But as we think about this, the disciples recognized this and they lay down their cloaks. And an early church father, I, don't, I, you know, I, don't, I forget who the guy was, but I remember reading him. And he says, just as the disciples did, if we really believe Jesus is the king, just as they put out their cloaks before him and branches of trees, we need to lay our hearts in total surrender before him if you really believe he's king. And I said this morning, and I've said it elsewhere, you can't, with, to state and believe and live under Jesus as king is to know his salvation. And not to live under the kingship of Jesus, his reign, his rule over our lives, over our communities, over our church is not to know his salvation. And that's where modern Christianity of the last hundred years has got it terribly wrong, terribly wrong. The disconnect between salvation and kingship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work. Because God now has installed him as king. Even though the devil used to be the ruler of the world and he still has some power, there is a new king in town since 2,000 years, and it is Jesus. And I was sitting here this morning, Carl, my friend, uh, was... uh, talking about the church plants that y'all are doing. And brought in Freddie and I heard the testimony. And I had a strong, very strong sense in my spirit that God is going to honor you, honor Carl and the leadership team, honor Central, and God is going to do it for you. Not just the three churches, but the hundreds of churches. Very strong sense from an e- God speaking to my spirit and saying, this is going to be done. As if my eyes inside lit up. Freddie and team and whoever may not know what it is to plant a church, how it is. Don't worry. Don't worry. Because as I tell our story... We didn't know what we were doing when we began doing it. But saying Jesus, you're king, and we are going to extend your reign beyond our personal lives is discipleship. We are going to extend your reign to our neighbors and to our communities, and wherever you take us is true discipleship. And the kingship of Jesus brings 
blessing in culture, in civilization, in nations. And if today the world is really in a mess, it is because the church has failed. Jesus has not failed. Jesus has not failed. We as the church of God around the world have failed and look at the mess the world is in today. India. I, forgot, uh, I didn't tell the story in the morning, but you can listen to this one. This whole Dalit movement in India has taken a completely different major turn. And I, sh I should not be surprised because from day one, from 17 years now, we heard the call and we know God was in this thing. And it began with the masses and the poor. And now uh, it has exploded in our universities. Number of you probably are in universities still. It has exploded in our universities. And the big explosion in the whole, all of the universities began in the city of Hyderabad where I live. And in Hyderabad Central University, with which we have had contact, and Dalit and backward caste, low caste scholars, either doing a master's in philosophy or PhDs, have been in touch and we have spoken to them. I've gone there, we have, they have come to our place, etc. And they've been fighting a battle within the university against discrimination and all. And then a brilliant scholar, a PhD scholar, uh, Rohit Vimula, Google him. What he wrote, he wrote has gone viral around the world. Maybe not in Edinburgh University. Many universities in the U.S. have had protests about what's going on related to him, and then now it has spread to universities in the north, and etc. So Rohit was protesting and raising stuff and talking about issues of oppression and all, and the university authorities um, uh, suspended, removed him from hostel. He's a poor, comes from a poor Dalit background, suspended from the hostel, and five of them were uh, just living in the uh, university campus, but they were not able to attend class, etc., etc. Kumar, who's one of my colleagues, was in, has been in close contact with Rohit and told me immediately Rohit's mother and and Rohit was a Christian, but he had not declared himself. I said, wow. But you know what Rohit did? Deliberately, like that bishop in uh, Pakistan who several years ago wanted to make a statement uh, about the blasphemy law, the Catholic bishop. This, you, may, you and I may not understand this, okay? And it's fine if you don't understand. But this is, this is real human stuff that goes on in our world where some Christians do stuff which comfortable Western Christians may not be able to do. 
this bishop went in front of the court in Pakistan and shot himself, making, bringing the world's attention to uh, what was going on in Pakistan. Did God tell him? I don't know. But he did it. Rohit decided to take his own life and he hanged himself. He was not depressed. And then he wrote this poem which has gone global, viral, and millions of people have read it. It's one of the most heartbreaking suicide letters that has ever been written. With one letter, he lit a fire which the present government is unable to control. And I wondered, man, yes, I had heard that Rohit was a Christian and he was in the faith, but I didn't know how much he knew, how much he did not know. And I have often wondered how much of his suicide was driven by the counterintuitive nature of Christ's own life-giving. And then I saw articles this man gave his life so that India will hear. Are you with me? I feel, I mean, his parents are Christians and will help his mother and all. But India is going through a phenomenal change. 17 years ago, they came to us. We didn't know what they were asking and we said, yes, we'll join you and we'll struggle with you. And they said, free a child, free a woman, and free our communities. Just three requests came from them. You all are going into a church plant and God will show you not 50 things you have to do but the few things you have to do within your communities which will change everything upside down. And we put this map, my map is gone. Is it back? Yeah. Here is the thing. Um, you may not be able to read. The red uh, symbols there represents all of the new churches that have been born which were not there 17 years ago. You know how many there are today? 4,000. 4,000. Because we decided, yes, we'll do the counterintuitive thing and we'll reach the marginalized, the downtrodden, those who are oppressed and we will respond to their cry for freeing their child and freeing their women, etc. The one down there is a blue thing and all of the blue marks are 107 schools with 26,000 Dalit children across the nation. And year after year now they are graduating. And we will have many books now coming out of this movement. We have so many stories we just don't know which story to say and not say in how Jesus' kingship has delivered children. And we go on. And then we do have 
the OM books, Bible retail outlets. That was there before 17 years ago, but we had about 10 of them, but we have now 21 of them. But below that are the 66 economic development projects. We had none of them 17 years ago, whereby we are empowering local communities to be freed through economic dignity. Down, we did not have 72 mostly young female trained workers reaching out to communities in the area of health in the name of Jesus the King. Right? And the clinics and the 100,000 women who have had some sort of slavery being impacted. When we were doing this, 18 months ago, we were 3,000 churches. We have 4,000 churches now. We would have never put that down statement. I would have never imagined that God would bring us to a place. We are now impacting 6,000 communities with 12 million people. All right? We were just where you are in this last couple of years. Very small not knowing what to do, but we knew King Jesus' time for India had come. And it was going to be an upside-down way of changing the nation. And so, when we met a couple of years ago, we announced to our partners and friends, we are going to do Freedom at 25 by the year 2025, from 6,000 communities, we want to be in 25,000 communities. From 12 million, we want to impact 50 million people. From 4,000 churches, we want to go to 25,000 churches. There is a sense now, 17 years down the road, all things being equal, and the right-wing Hindu doesn't, groups don't come so hard on Christianity and ban all conversion and murder or kill a number of us and other leaders, etc. God in his spirit has given us a model, and the model we had to find for ourselves. And we had to study and read and go back and forth and figure out how do we do a church that is now spread across the nation and speaks about 20 different languages. At least when you reach out here in the UK and you do hundreds of churches, thank God you've got only one language for 55 or 60 million people. We don't. But we have prayed. And God has now said to us, scale this up. The last few years has been about improving, fine-tuning, and we'll keep it. But God has very clearly said to us, scale it up. And one of the places, the two states we are going to scale it up, normal work will continue. 
the two states. The neediest state in North India is Bihar, and the neediest backward state in South India is Telangana, where we live. Scale it up. I said, okay, God, we'll scale it up. And so we began work, etc. Telangana state has 35 million people. The uniqueness of Telangana state is it is the capital city, capital state for temple prostitution, where young girls are taken at pre-puberty and offered to the temple as a slave of God. And the priest, in an elaborate ceremony, pre-puberty, purifies her by a special bath and all of the stuff, nonsense, evil, drugs her and rapes her. And then she's dedicated to God and, she be, and she's then marked and she has to put a particular kind of bead and then she becomes a slave of God and a temple prostitute and then priests and pilgrims uh, use her. She gets money, of course, and starts supporting and they don't know any better. Six years we've been fighting for a case in the courts and we won it last year. And the high court has now said, these are the rules, this cannot happen. Then the Supreme Court also passed a rule. So we got a huge victory. And we now know God wants us in 10 years to completely finish the system in the state, which has been going for hundreds of years. Do I believe it will happen? Absolutely, yes. Why? For five years, our women have been engaging and doing this stuff in contact with 1,700 of these prostitutes and their villages, and what has happened there is unbelievable. I go on Friday to India, and I'm looking forward to Easter for us because since last is Easter, our women who are involved in this said, this year for the Easter service and Saturday or Friday, we want to bring the 150 temple prostitutes, leaders of 1,700 women, most of them non-Christian, to be with us for our teaching and empowerment. But on Sunday service, I couldn't believe when they asked us that they even would think these are Christian women we want them to come to church on Sunday, Easter Sunday sunrise service. Sorry, Scotland, you don't know the meaning of sunrise service on Easter. You have to be in our part of the world to understand why we have Easter sunrise service where the sun shines and we get up early in the morning and before the sun rises, we come and have the Easter service. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus was born in the southern hemisphere so we can celebrate all of this stuff um, and actually even have a Christmas that is closer to what his geographical con uh, conditions were and the weather was not all this ice stuff and Christmas trees and you know this is unreal but this Sunday they will be in our church just like they were a year ago and there I was leading in the service and they are mixed. Imagine a middle class Indian church. I announced Sunday before and a Sunday before that this is happening and this is the way you have to deal with them. I said don't allow them to sit alone. Mix, let, mix up with them. Sit next to them. 
they are not poison love them accept them don't look at them and make them feel odd talk to them whatever happens you don't have to give the first spiritual loss to them on that sunday don't worry about that our sisters are taking care of it about a dozen of them have already come to christ some of these things are very hard for you to understand but these women do love jesus and want to be in a service in our service on sunday and one of the things that completely overwhelmed me is when the offering happened uh we have offering where the boxes are kept and people walk up walk up and put in money and i suddenly i knew there were about 10 or 12 women who know jesus so they came up and bent down before the box and the way they offered their offering i knew they were celebrating the king their money i didn't they don't have much money but it's just not the 12 the other prostitutes who are yet to be freed because we have to do very hard work to get them freed they came and offered of their earnings to jesus i'll experience that this sunday again the point is this we are called to bring the reign of christ everywhere wherever god places us whatever society god asks us to be in and the key to bringing god's reign is obedience you may not have the plan but you respond and you do you'll hear a lot more and i've just talked to kal that they are going to be part of this project uh, telangana state project which is absolutely critical for us to scale up and in the next 10 years we will double the number of schools we are going to have businesses this that i mean it's just uh god will do it you have partnered with us so far but i think there is a double connect here you are embarking on your journey of changing the nation we have embarked on our journey in changing the nation we are 17 years began our feeble att- attempts every day somewhere in india a new church is announced every week a new church building is coming up now uh it's extraordinary it's extraordinary and god is answering prayer um there's one group now that has come and said to us you know while we were thinking about 4000 church buildings out of 25000 churches where we're going to get the money who's going to do it there's one pers- one group that has come and said to us we will give you one dollar for every two dollars you get to build one thousand churches and each church 
costs $25,000. A straight-off commitment. Make the maths of $8 million. Uh, I have to find partners who will give. And somebody in your church or somebody said to me, hey, this is a great, great thing. Give two and one free. You know, you make two churches and you get a third church free of cost. Wow, that's a good fundraising campaign. Never thought it. Talking to somebody here in the church today. So the work goes on. On your desk, you've got this great thing that OM has put together. I love this. This is one of the best things that has done. When I grow up, have a look at this. Just six pounds a month to free a child. Just six pounds. And the ladies, OM ladies then showed me you should go to www.whenigrowup.education and everything can be done online. We want 100,000 children in 200 schools who are freed by 2025. Will God do it? Yes. Does God have a role for you? For you? Pray. But you cannot celebrate and think about Good Friday and Easter without thinking about Jesus as king and what is possible. God bless you.